Um, thank you, everybody. Worship team, well done. I hope you're all doing well at home and uh, wherever you're watching from this morning, um, whether you're at work um, and just watching it on the sly or whether uh, you're with your family, just good morning to you. I trust that you're having a good week. Um, I do hope that you are excited about um, our Vision Sunday this morning. I'd be lying if I said I wasn't excited and just a teeny tiny bit anxious about um, this morning and just to lay out really and share with you what it is that we feel God's put on our heart as an eldership team, uh, me personally and, and what we feel is right for our church as we step in to what we feel God's calling us into in this next season. Uh, this is my fifth week working here, the end of my fifth week. Um, I'm sure everybody else feels like I've been here too long already. Um, but I just feel like I'm starting to find my feet a little bit. Um, I just want to start by saying thank you to all those people who have reached out to Jenny and myself and just been so encouraging and welcoming and been praying for us. Um, just an update on us, Jenny, uh, Hannah and myself, we have been living with the Kennedys since we got here in December. Um, I can tell you that has been a huge blessing um, and uh, it's just amazing. It's been a huge blessing to us as a family to live with them. Uh, Hannah certainly loves it. Um, um, we've actually found a house that we are in the process of buying now um, and that's amazing. So we're hoping to move in in the coming weeks. Um, so just thank you to everyone for your prayers and your encouragement. Um, but about this morning, uh, what we're going to be doing is just talking through some of the practical things, practical changes that are going to be happening. But also, I want to share with you this morning uh, a challenge that I felt God gave me uh, around a month ago, but I felt it was for us as a church. And especially in stepping into what we're going to step into in this next season, I felt it was so right to share that with you uh, this morning. So I'm going to share that challenge at the end. But what I wanted to do was start by looking at a very well-known piece of scripture. Um, it's at the end of Matthew's gospel, Matthew 28. So just pull out your Bibles, turn to Matthew 28, um, whilst I just introduce and kind of set, um, set a picture of where we are in this scene. The, the scene here is Jesus is at the end of his ministry on earth. He's been killed. The disciples have watched him be killed. He's died on the cross and they've, they've put him in a tomb only for three days later for Jesus uh, to, 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 to be raised and to come back to life, to be raised from the dead. And, and, and they've had to come to terms with who Jesus is. He is the risen Messiah. And they're just trying to wrap their heads around that. Now, Jesus didn't come as they thought he had to overthrow any earthly, um, any earth, uh, earthly political power like Rome. He didn't come to overthrow the, the religious leaders in the temple. But Jesus came to deal with the one true enemy, which is sin and death and separation from, from God. And that's what Jesus came to deal with. And he's done it all at this point. And the disciples are literally learning from him in these final days and speaking with him. And, and they're being given instructions of what they need to do when he's no longer here. So right at the end of Matthew's gospel account, we, we read Jesus' final words in that account. Um, and, and these are some of his final words to his followers. 
And we read that we come to a point where they, they meet on this, on this mount and, and Jesus is there giving final instructions. We believe there's other people there, not just the, the 11 disciples, that there's other people gathered around and he's about to speak to them before he goes to be with his heavenly father and ascend to heaven. So, so let's just pray real quick before we jump in. Then we're going to read Matthew 28 verse 16. Father, we just thank you so much for this morning. We thank you, Lord, that you are here and among us. Holy Spirit, we welcome you, not just as a church, but we welcome you into our own hearts this morning to come and speak to us. Lord, we thank you that it's our Vision Sunday, but the truth is, is nothing that I say can get people excited about what you're going to do in their lives, in their church in their town or in their country. But Holy Spirit, I ask that you come and fill each and every person watching and that you would raise an excitement level for what you can accomplish. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, Matthew 28, verse 16 to 20. It says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So like I said, a very well-known scripture. No doubt you've heard, um, heard that read out a few times um, and, and maybe even heard great sermons on it over, the, over time. Um, but this is one of the final commands that we see from Jesus. It's a very simple command to go into the world and to make disciples. And I just want to break down a little bit about what that looks like. It's just three kind of bite-sized chunks of what that looks like to make disciples. Um, But a disciple is someone who doesn't just gain knowledge of the gospel message, but it's somebody who is not just devoted to, but is constantly learning, constantly growing, constantly maturing. It's not just someone who becomes a member of our church. It's not just someone who becomes a Christian. It's someone who is an active member of what we do and serving the gospel. So, okay, three things. The first thing that Jesus is telling us to do is that we must be a people who go. It means that we, we are people who are willing to work, who are willing to, in order to reach people's hearts for the gospel. We must be willing as, as followers of Jesus to get into other people's lives and tell them about what Jesus has done for them. And I'm not just talking here about, about family members. I'm not just talking about, you know, good friends. I'm not even just talking about people that you like. I'm talking about those who were almost unlovable at times, those who were difficult to love. Jesus talks about who we're supposed to be reaching out to. We're supposed to care for the broken, the naked, the lonely, the scared, the mistreated, the abused, those who are captives. Those, and we, we're called to give them the good news of the gospel. Um, And so this means just so much more than our family and our friends. That's a good start, but that's not where it ends, right? Like we're called to be out there, even those who are maybe a a bit more unlovable. We must be willing to go as a church 
And, 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 and to, for some people, that means to go even further afield. For some people, that means that they're called to other nations, to other towns, to other cities. For some people, that means they're supposed to witness to tribes. They're supposed to witness to politicians. You know, who, who knows? But we must be willing to go and share the gospel message. The second thing that Jesus mentions in this commission is that we want to see people baptized. Not just people say that they've made a commitment inside, but, people who, but, but for people to be baptized. And this is important. You see, baptism, for those who have made a conscious decision and, uh, to follow Jesus, this is, a, this is a conscious and a public statement of what has happened inside. And it's before their friends, before their family, before their church, they are showing that I choose to follow Jesus. And this visual, uh, this visual public statement that is happening of being pushed down into the water and die into yourself, die into the flesh, and being washed clean and then coming up into this new life in Christ. This is, a, this is an image of what's happened spiritually and inside, and it's for all the world to say, hey, I'm choosing to follow Jesus, and this is a result of what's happened in my life. And the final thing that Jesus, that Jesus uh, asks us to do is to teach. You see, there's this, there's this foundation that is faith that's happened of people choosing to follow Jesus. But you see, we want to build on that foundation of faith in, and, and give instruction of what it is to live out that Christian life, what it is to live out following Jesus. We're, as a church, we want to be a church that teaches, and, and as individuals, we want to teach um, that we are called to fill, uh, fill our lives with good works. And we're not doing good works because we want to be goody two-shoes to earn salvation. No, we do good works because we believe we've been saved, and we're called to live out our new identity in Christ and, and committed to looking more like Him every day. This means that in our lives, and we call each other to live these lives, that turn away from sin and desires of the flesh, and instead we're committed to the empowerment of the Spirit working in us and through us. That's what we're called to do, those three things. So I guess what I want to say this morning is that our vision has not and will not change until Jesus returns. We want to see the gospel reaching our family, our friends, our co-workers, Darlington and beyond. And we want to see those people make a commitment publicly and privately to Jesus. And we want to see them grow to be mature disciples who are committed to looking more like him every day. That's our vision as a church and it always will be our vision. So the vision's not changed, but there are a few things that, that we feel that, we're gonna that we need to change in order to serve us better in, in our commission going forward in this next season. That's not saying that what we were doing in the past was wrong, it's just saying that actually in this next season there are a few things that we feel God's asking us to emphasize and to focus on in order to fulfill our commission. So I'm going to share some of those things with you, but just to say, I'm going to circle kind of back round to the scriptures, so don't close your Bibles or anything like that. We're going to circle back round to this 
um, after a few practical things. So just keep that open because I really do feel there are some things that God wants to speak to us about. But an obvious place to start in terms of what we do as a church um, and, and how we express our commission, how we, how we fulfill that commission, is really to start by talking about our community outreach. Let me tell you, I am so proud of the work that all of you do, all of our volunteers, all of our staff uh, do every week uh, to, to, to reach out to the community around us as a church. The food bank, the cafe, the furniture scheme, all do an incredible job and so many other things in bringing the community around us into the center and to love and care for the most needy in Darlington. I know that some of these things haven't been open as much as we would have liked this year, but I mean, in the, in the food bank alone, they've prayed for over 20 people in this last year who want to give their life to Jesus. And I, I mean, can we just stop and think about that for a second? People who've made a, a declaration, I choose to follow you, Jesus. And in terms of our commission to be a church that goes, that goes into people's lives, that goes into messy situations, into people who are sometimes difficult to love, I think this does, these things do a really good job of setting the culture um, to, to, for, for us as a church to reach the most needy. But there are some things that we want to change in the season ahead. The first thing that as a church that we that we feel that we're supposed to be doing as a church is we feel there's a calling on us to be a powerhouse of teaching in this region. Now, what does that mean? It doesn't just mean Sunday mornings, although that's going to be a great a great thing for us to be aiming towards. But that also affects the content that we put out midweek, the materials that we provide as a church, the events that we offer, and some things, um, some things and some personnel that we choose to invest in um, as the years go by. Now, I do have to say right away, this is a long-term vision, a long-term plan, and we need to do a lot of work to achieve all the things that we believe God's calling us into in this area. But in terms of where we believe God's pointing us towards, it is to be a resource of excellent teaching, not just for ourselves, right? It's not about feeding us and looking inwards, um, but actually it's about blessing other churches, other leaders, um, other groups around us that could, that, that, and, and to be a well of excellent teaching where people can come and find nourishment and a drink uh, in order to go and carry on in what God's called them to do. In terms of what that looks like now, however, the first thing that we've decided to do is we've decided to no longer run King's Sports here at the center. Um, we believe that we want that, that we are we should be dedicating this hall that we meet in on a Sunday to Sunday mornings and to other events rather than it being an, a multi-use room rather it's going to be designed with Sunday mornings and events in mind this means practically that this hall is going to be carpeted um, and we're going to change the stage layout a little bit and just make it a little bit more accessible we have the the luxury of being able to do that now it's not going to be used for sports 
and we're going to try and change things just to make it a little, a little better for Sunday mornings. We think there's going to be a huge improvement for the space, for meeting in, to worshipping together, but also it's going to be much more welcoming place, we believe, for new families, for new individuals coming in for the first time. Also, as a, as a parent, let me tell you, I'm very excited about losing the echo in here uh, with a toddler who loves walking in and loves to hear her voice echo. Um, so Sunday mornings, uh, I think that'll be much more helpful, trying to keep, trying to keep toddlers uh, quieter. There also are going to be a lot of changes in terms of um, physical changes like painting, practical changes like decorating, um, inside and outside of the building. You may have already noticed some changes on our social media, our website. Um, we're going to be changing the, the, the vans, the staff uniforms, and so many other things. But the idea of that is we want to be first and foremost, we want people to know what drives us to care and to love for them. So we're going to be doing away with uh, King's Furniture uniforms and King's Furniture vans and instead those are going to be replaced with King's Church. We want people to know the thing that is driving us to drop off a, a sofa from them, to help them with a bag of food, is Jesus. Is Jesus. We want to put him first, front and centre in what we do. So with all that in mind, look, I'm really, really excited for June when those uh, limits and restrictions are lifted. Praise the Lord. Um, we can meet together again and I can hug you and, you know, we can have a great old party. Um, and, and I'm looking forward to when we can push into that vision even further where we can have men's and women's events, when we can have teaching evenings and alpha courses and discipleship groups and leadership training and all those things that we believe God's calling us into. But until then, there's a lot of things that we think we can do to be prepared as a church to meet again. So a lot of those practical changes are going to be taking place over the coming weeks. Um, and we plan on meeting here again on Sunday mornings as of Easter Sunday. So we know that there's still going to be restrictions, um, but we want to start meeting again now. Schools are back, um, and we feel like things are starting to come to a healthier numbers, and we obviously try and take advice from the government there and try and support them as a church as well. Um, but we believe that by Easter Sunday, we should be in a good position to start meeting again, and we hope that a lot of those practical changes should have been completed by then. So you'll get an idea of what it is that we're, we're changing. Also, a part of what we believe God is asking us to do is to make sure that we have the right team in place for the vision that God is, is asking us to push towards. And as a part of this, as part of praying and discussing as a team, uh, we've identified what we feel is a clear need uh, for an, another elder to be on staff during the week here in the centre. Out of those discussions and those prayers, <coughs> excuse me, we've asked Graham Kennedy to come on staff um, full time uh, to help with the workload that we have. Um, Graham's been a teacher for over 20 years now, um, decades has gone into that. 
Um, but he's agreed to come away from that and come and join the team here during the week and to give us much needed help. Graham's going to be a full-time elder here at the centre and he's going to be helping and assisting um, me. Um, but Graham is taking the role and he has a, a few passions that I'm looking forward to seeing him bring. Graham has a real passion to see uh, the prophetic uh, words that were brought as a church and the prophetic people in the church who have prophetic gift in um, to see those words become more palatable and, 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 and um, for the church to accept and to be able to pray into those things and to see God really speak to us in the prophetic. And we want to take that responsibly, responsibility seriously in hearing what God is saying to us through the prophetic. We believe in spiritual gifts alive and active in the church and we don't want to ignore those things um, or take them lightly. So Graham's got a real heart for that and I'm looking forward to seeing how that plays out. But Graham's going to be providing a lot of practical help to me too. And part of making sure that we've got the right team in the right place, and if we believe that, our, that God's calling us to, to up our game in terms of uh, teaching and discipleship and, and leadership training and events uh, for, for, to help other churches around us, then actually there needs to be a bit of release for me. I don't know if you know, we have a lot of staff here um, and a huge building actually that needs a lot of upkeep and care. And Graham's going to be helping me in line managing and looking after a lot of the day-to-day -day things here in the centre. Um, we also have, realistically, thousands of people throughout the year, on a normal year, that come through the centre. And it throws up a lot of jobs and a lot of work during the week at times. So Graham's going to be taking that on, which I'm incredibly excited about. We're hoping that he's going to be coming on early summer onto staff. And I really want to encourage you, like this is a step of faith for them too. They, they believe in that God's in this as we, are, as we do as an eldership. So I want to encourage you to reach out. If you can text him, if you have his number, reach out and bless him. Just encourage him because it is a scary thing to think, oh God, I hope you're in this because you know, I'm leaving a, a job, I'm leaving the known and stepping into the unknown. Um, so why don't you just reach out and encourage him and bless him in that. And remembering in all of this stuff that we are preparing and we are getting ready for what we feel God's going to call us into as a church in this coming season. I am so excited um, to see what God does. And I'm just going to circle around to a little bit of encouragement on that in the end. But I wanted to finish really this morning, not by talking about practicalities. I wanted to finish speaking about you and your relationship with Jesus. Right at the beginning, we looked at that scripture that's really well known. And you see these changes that are coming in the season ahead, you see they don't happen with me or with extra staff. They don't happen with you know, new carpets or anything like that. What they, how they happen is with the church being fired up and ready to see Jesus' kingdom expanded into Darlington. And as you're sat there thinking about, you know, the, the months ahead and the changes that are coming, I really want to, I really want to really challenge you in how God not just wants to use the, the church, but actually wants to use you as part of this church. And with all that in mind, how do we prepare our hearts for Jesus to use us? Right at the beginning, we talked about the commission and Jesus starts by saying this, all authority 
in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Jesus has all authority. He is supreme, the ruler of heaven and earth. And his word, and, and the word that's used here for all authority, actually is this dominating word that's used. It's like it, domin, it dominates and ties Jesus' power to everything. Jesus has authority over everything. His power and his authority is unmatched by any force of nature. Think about, you know, the storm where Jesus just says, hush, be quiet. Um, Any nation, even death itself. You know, Isaiah talks about how the Messiah will come and he'll overcome and overpower death itself. And that's exactly what he does. He has all power and all authority. And we read, and going on into a couple of other parts of Scripture, they expand on Jesus' authority. Colossians 1, 15 to 23, the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in Him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and, and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through Him and for Him. He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn among the, among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy. For God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or in things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Jesus is the one true ruler and king. In fact, Scripture later goes on to describe in Revelation as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Revelation 19, 11 to 16 says, I saw heaven standing open and there before me was a white horse whose rider, Jesus, is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and wages war. His eyes are like a blazing fire and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but himself. He is dressed in a robe, dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He he treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of the Almighty God. On his robe and on his thigh, he has his name the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That's our King. That's who Jesus is. And you know, God speaks to us in the funniest of times. I was sat having breakfast about a month ago with Jenny and Hannah. And everybody's relatively quiet. And, and you know, when, when God speaks to you, you really, you really hear it, don't you? And I was just sat there and we were just praying and I just sat there thinking about all the things that are going on in my life, all of the changes that are happening. I was thinking about finances. I was thinking about church. I was thinking about home. I was thinking about the things that I needed to get done, the things that I needed to do, the things that I need to make happen. When all of a sudden I heard Jesus say, I am the king. And I want you to give me back my crown. And in that moment, just tears filled my eyes. And I was just overcome with this realization. Wow, Jesus, you are almighty, all powerful, 
are loving. And yet, there are areas in my life where I refuse to give you your crown. Where I hold on to it. You know, I want to share something with you. All these changes that we're talking about doing, all these things where I really believe we've heard from God, what he's asking us to do as a church, how he's asking us to press forward in areas. And, um, you know, I'm walking around uh, one week and we're looking at all the center stuff and we're looking at all the things that we really believe we're supposed to be doing, carpet in the hall. I mean, we've got a, a roof that leaks like crazy and you know we walk into rooms and there's water dripping on the floor and and I'm thinking man like it's going to cost so much money to get all this stuff done how are we going to do it we don't have the finance and I, I won't tell you who it is but just just a funny moment really where you know we're walking around and and one of the people who works here I won't tell you who but um they were just telling me the truth and I was saying, oh yeah, we're going to get this done. We're going to, we're going to, you know, we're going to carpet this hall. We're going to, we're going to get this done. It's going to be fantastic. And they're going, that's great, but we just don't have the money. And I'm going, yeah, I know, but I know someone who does. <laughs> I know someone who does. And it's not me, you know, you can guess who it is. And we'd laugh and joke about it. And, but really deep down, I'm thinking, Lord, how are we going to do it? How, how are we going to do this? You know, the roof's leaking. And that Friday night, we'd had that joke several times during the week, and that Friday night, I get a phone call from Phil. And he says, do you know just all those things that need to happen? Do you know the, the roof that's leaking? Do you know all the things that we believe God's asking us to do? He said, well, someone's just dropped an, a significant amount of money into our bank account, and it was more than enough for everything that we needed to do. The roof has been fixed you know, we have the money to do the changes that we, we believe God's asking us to do. And it's moments like that where you go, wow, you are the king. This is your church. And you will build it. But my question to you this morning, the reality is, is who Jesus is, is unquestionable. All authority in heaven on earth has been given to him. That is the truth and the reality that we live in. But is it true in your life? Is it true in every part of your life? Do you truly allow Jesus to wear his crown? You see, his name is like honey on our lips. He's so sweet. He is the bread of life. He's the one who will sustain you and bring you nourishment. He's your healer. He's the one who's going to restore you and fix you. He is the light of the world. So the inner, most darkest parts of you, the, the sin and the shame that are deep down, that the enemy tells you to be ashamed of, he's the one who calls them out of hiding for them to be met by mercy and love. But the question this morning is, is Jesus, King Jesus, in his rightful place in your life? You see, we can be comfortable with Jesus being king out there. But are we comfortable with Jesus being king in here? 
there are so many things where we want to rule, right? We want to be in charge of our own plans. We want to rule what we spend our money on. We want to rule, you know, how we spend our spare time. We, want, we don't want the challenge of, of Jesus being in charge because then we lose control. But the challenge for you this morning, give him the crown. So where is it in your life that you are withholding from allowing Jesus to rule? Where is it you don't allow him to be king? Is it in the relationships that you have? Whether it's a boyfriend, a girlfriend, whether it's a, you know, outside of the marriage relationship, whether it's a flirtatious relationship you have with someone at work. Is it in who you choose to forgive? I want to rule who deserves my forgiveness. I want to choose who I'm going to forgive. They don't deserve my forgiveness. Is it in what you watch when people aren't watching? When people are watching? Is it your plans, your holidays, your career? I worked hard for my job and I'm, I'm not leaving it for anything. Your hobbies. Is Jesus truly your king? Let him be king. There are so many areas in our lives where we just want to rule and reign. But this morning, we want to make our prayer, Lord, not my will, but yours. No more following my own plan. Jesus, this morning, I'm choosing to say I'm all in to follow you. You are my king. Whatever the cost, whatever the plan, whatever the sacrifice, because you are my king. He is your crown. Let's put the crown back on his head this morning. As a church, that's our vision, to see Jesus ruling and reigning in each and every one of our lives. To see Jesus in his rightful place as the king. And yeah, we can pray this for our church, we can pray it for our town, we can even pray it for our nation. Lord, would you rule? Would you have your way? But the truth is, it's got to start right here in you. Let's finish by praying.